this is Deanne Mendoza with Teacher Creative Materials, and you're listening to From the Heart with Ed Hart. Thank you, Deanne. First take. I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> very, very good. Well, as you just heard, my guest today is my dear friend. Um, to call her a client is, is not making the relationship close enough. I have a lot of clients. All my clients are friends, obviously, but uh, I have the, the blessing and the joy of working with family-owned businesses, as you know. And um, Deanne and I met several years ago. She is one of the trifecta of the three of her mom and, and her sister who run Teacher Creative Materials in Huntington Beach, California. Um, I'm just going to jump right into it. I, I, who you are will become evident through the course of this conversation. So rather than spending a lot of time introducing you to the audience, let's just talk. Um, first of all, just how are things going? I mean, I know this pandemic is, is I, I just go right to the elephant in the room right away with these interviews because it's what's on all of our minds. Right. But um, how, how are you holding up? Uh, you know, we're going into week 10 right now yeah. at the time that we're recording this um, of our stay in place um, challenges and we're doing okay. So personally, um, it has been mostly good. Uh, I work really hard to practice gratitude and look at all the positive things that are happening and I'm very fortunate um, and so I try to pay attention to all those different things. Uh, there, that's not to say there aren't some really hard days. I have three kids that are doing virtual school at the same time that I'm working full time. Two of them are very independent in their schoolwork, but they're still brothers. So they yep. still argue and things still happen. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and then one I do, I feel like I myself am also doing third grade. So yeah, my, my, grade again. Yeah. my grammar skills are getting very good. Nice. You're, you're writing, you're, you're looking at your penmanship and writing yeah. between the lines and everything, learning yeah. how to color between the lines again. My That's verbs, awesome. my adverbs. I love it. It's, yeah, it's improving. Uh, I'm, in, I'm convinced that we go through certain subjects in school just so that we can teach those subjects again. Like, <laughs> what if you use geometry? Seriously, when your kids are in high school, you'll teach that again. So. I, I be, I, I'll challenge you. You probably use geometry more than you know you do. Uh, that pro that's probably true. That's probably true. I just don't realize what I'm doing. <laughs> yes. Tam on a recent conversation called it... Um, crisis learning, which I yeah. love. We're not homeschooling, we're crisis learning. We're we are. learning as well. So how are you, um, you and your mom and your sister leading maybe differently now because we're working virtually and we're in this pandemic and nobody really knows what tomorrow is going to look like. If, if you if you are leading differently, how would you say that you are right now? Well, you know, it's interesting because as a family business, I think um, you go back to the things that you've done in your family and what you're good at and you're not good at um, in times of crisis. And I think that's true both personally and professionally. So what I can tell you is as a company, um, that's good for this because we yeah. are a family that when things get hard, we absolutely hunker down. We start asking lots of questions. We start reversing our questions. We bring some of the smartest people we know into conversations to listen to what they're asking and we prepare. And as a family, we've always prepared for everything. Like my grandpa used to have the yearly death and taxes meeting where we would talk about what are we doing for taxes? And you what would- we talk about this, right? But no, but to, and, yeah. yeah. And he would talk about what happens if we die. And what happens if this person dies and what happens with this person dies and it was planning for kids. And so I grew up always having this death and taxes conversation, um, which is pretty harsh for other people. Like you say sure. that to other people and they're like, what? And I go, yeah, once a year. You take a look at what happens here. Is everything in order? Is it so that it makes things easy for your kids if things happen to you? So the same thing would be true for this. 
um, our leadership style. Uh, we work well together. We challenge each other. We have different strengths that we bring to the table and we hunker down and we start looking at what happens if this pandemic lasts for eight weeks, what happens if this pandemic lasts for six months, if it lasts for a right. year, if it lasts longer than that. So we start, everything. yeah. And we're, we were asking those questions before school even closed. Yeah. So we take a look at it, we play it out. So we want to make sure that people who work for us know that we're thinking all things through. Things aren't um, last minute decisions. Now we are a fast moving company. We change directions fast. Mm -hmm. So that's also happened. So we have quickly changed to at home learning. We're super fortunate um, for a couple different reasons. One, we're in the essential category and that's so different than so many businesses right now. And we're so grateful to be a part of what's helping kids learn while they're at home. Um, but we've also had an at-home learning product um, for the past 12 years that usually goes home in the summer. Sure. Right. So yeah. it's usually a summer yeah, product. Right so we just made August, but yeah. No, yeah. Yeah. So we pushed it forward and it went home to a lot of places in the spring. Um, and so we're been, uh, we're very fortunate. We work in an education industry. We get to work with some of the most innovative and imaginative educators all across the country and all across the world. And we can change directions with our team so that we're providing help for teachers at home, for parents at home, for students. Um, so we're pivoting with what's happening right now and leadership wise, you can't communicate enough with right. what it is that you're trying to do. You know, there's different research that says, say it seven times or, you know, hmm. make sure that you say it and write it and speak it and teach it. Like there's a lot of different ways that people retain things. Repetition is key to learning and you guys are in that business, obviously. Yeah, yeah. and I always, uh, our, our employees, we have some such, we have some people that are so smart. They can hear it once and they hold on to it forever. At so I hear it, I have to hear it multiple times. Yeah, I have sure. to understand it. Um, and so I always anticipate that that's true with our folks that are working too. So we try to say things, um, and be as clear as we can, totally understanding that we're not exactly sure what's going to happen tomorrow. And we're not exactly sure what's happening with schools and when they're opening back up. So we like to communicate what we think is going to happen and then keep people informed with what we're seeing evolve. Yeah. So you talk about a couple of things that are near and dear to me, obviously family business, because that's what I do for a living. You run a family business, but I'm around a lot of families. Education is certainly important to you and your company as well as it is to me. I work at a university. From your perspective as a leader in a family business, and you and I know a lot of the same family businesses here in Southern California through yes. our affiliation at Cal State Fullerton and, and USC and others as well. Any advice or any, what's working for you? Maybe, maybe advice is the wrong word because people tend to not like advice unless they seek it first. So what's working for you when it comes to how to lead the family and the business and really balance that out right now from an education standpoint? You talked about, you know, homeschooling your kids and it's your boys and your daughter. And I know we've talked before that they're, they're at different levels, not only age, but also you're in third grade with your third grader, whereas the others are more independent. Right. Any things that are really working for you that maybe not just you are experiencing, but maybe you've seen with your family or just others, your, our peers that we talk to? So, you know, it's really what's working for me and I can talk to what's been happening here mm -hmm. is it's really um, scheduling. And I, I don't know if I always loved scheduling and being organized, but I think with each kid and each step in my own professional career, it evolved. And yeah. so now once you have three kids and this company, 
and try to balance different things. There's no other choice but to schedule. So I love my Outlook calendar and I have a calendar mm -hmm. that sits behind it that has my kid's schedule and my grandma's appointments. Um, so, and they're color coded. So I have always appreciated like putting things out like six months a year, like what's going to happen when, who's going to drive people different places. So I've all, I've really thrived in that. So this threw everything up in the air. So yeah. when that changed here and the kids were home and I wanted them of course to be active and I wanted them to make sure that they're not sliding backwards. I'm not so um, bent on, they have to move forward like some parents are. Mm -hmm. um, it depends on how long this hat lasts, but the truth is no matter how long it lasts, it's lasting that long for students everywhere. It's already been too long for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. so everybody's yeah. in the same boat. So I wanna make sure my kids don't have the learning loss slide. And so um, I've really embraced that they have to do their activities. For my middle son, I've had to give him a schedule. I've had to give him, do not touch those video games until mm -hmm. this, 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 this is done. And it's the afternoon. So right. like it's, it's different. You're not like, waking up to the, to the time. Yeah. yeah. So it's each of my kids are a little bit different. And that was, was hard for me to adjust because I wanted to just, here's what we're all doing, but it didn't work. Yeah. So that's been evolving. So being gentle with my own schedule and knowing that sometimes I'm going to talk to Staples at 8.30 at night while coloring next to one of my kids. And I'm going to tell them that that's what I'm doing. And they're going to understand that that's what I'm doing. So there's been a lot of honest conversations, I think, that have been happening with our partners, um, with our employees, uh, with other business owners. There's a lot of sharing of information that helps make this work for me. I constantly need to remember that through this, um, to be a role model. And that's true across for businesses, that's um, for the community, that's for TCM, and that's for my kids. So that doesn't mean being perfect. That doesn't mean right. that I haven't cried and been <laughs> like, what do you mean schools might not go back to school in the fall? And tears yeah. came. So um, it's being real, but remembering that there is a place and a time to have real conversations with people. And this is now. And people yeah. are open to them and listening to what's working for everybody and what's not. Um, I'm trying to maximize my health every day. I try again, but that's probably true even when we're not in pandemic yeah. time. Every morning I'm like, okay, today's the day. And then sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Um, and I'm trying to practice gratitude. Yeah. I'm trying to make You've sure. You've always been that way though. I've, yeah. As long as I've known you, you seem to always just, you know, the, the sky around you could be falling and I would not know by talking to you. Yeah, you well, record it matter of fact, but you just, you have a way of looking at things so positively. Yeah. So, and I think that's an important thing to share. So I spend a lot of time talking to different people that work with us, um, trying to focus on the things that we are thankful for. And in case, you know, everybody's having bad days. So just pointing out, what the amazing parts are yeah. and trying to focus on it. And it, it kind of, you can trick yourself with it a little bit too. So I really, I am happy that if yeah. I'm going to be quarantined, I'm quarantined with these three kids and they're funny yeah. and they're different. And I do know that during, I had read somewhere, I can't remember where, that during traumatic events or big events, milestone events, people mm -hmm. anchor into their memories. And it's why on your wedding day, you can tell every detail of something. On September 11th, you can tell exactly what it was that you were, you were doing at that time. Yeah. yeah. And so I read that, and this is really an anchoring time. So with kids, yeah. I want them to anchor into some positives. Yeah. I want them to anchor into 
some different um, things. And it's true with other adult relationships that you have, like having people remember how you behave towards them and how you handled your stress. Um, there's some anchoring things that people yep. will remember forever. So I'm trying to be very mindful of that. Yeah, um, I, had a, I had an interview uh, on a podcast not long ago with the pastor of my church, Inland Hills Church, Josh Crane, and he shared that the number two responsibility as parents that we have is to teach our children. The number one responsibility we have is to enjoy them. Yeah. And to really maximize that joy that we have from our kids, that they feel that we truly do cherish the time that we get with them. You know, we have two grandkids here, and I, I think that they understand that my wife and I and, and their mom, that we really do thoroughly enjoy the time with them. We need to teach them, but we also need to show we enjoy. And like you said, those, those anchoring moments, they're going to look back at this time frame of, you know, this 2020, which we all thought was going to be our year. This is the year we're going to turn the corner. And, and you know, in a lot of ways, we are turning the corner. We're yeah. just it's a different corner than we thought. And it, certainly the view is different than we thought it was going to be when we turned. But I think they're going to look back on this. Well, I know all the kids are going to look back on this of where were my parents and how were they during this time frame? Did they just stress about the bills and stress about, you know, what's going to happen with this pandemic and we're glued to the news all day long and don't talk to me because the president's speaking or what have you. Or are they doing some of that, but are they playing games? Are they sitting down with me? Are we having meals together? I've talked to people who have said in the last 70 days, they've had about 140 meals with their family. And they're like, yeah. I haven't had 140 meals with my family in the 25 years combined leading up to this. So really, what are the memories that we're building? What do you think or hope that your kids will take out of this? Um, I'm trying to teach a lot of new things that aren't school. So I, I, I'm very fortunate my kids go to excellent schools. We have excellent teachers that are doing an amazing job. So I'm trying to focus on, yes, they have to do it. They have to be accountable for it. Um, but I'm trying to focus on other things. So my kids learned how to clean bathrooms <laughs> during this time. I mean, they knew how to make their bed, but they didn't actually know how to make their right. bed with the fitted sheet. So we're, they've learned how to clean things better than they have. Um, we sewed pillows last weekend. So my great grandpa um, who immigrated from Sicily through Ellis Island was a tailor by trade. Wow. Um, and so I got little patterns and we made these little animal pillows. Um, and it was for some of them easy and some of them hard. And I thought, you know, this is what your great grandpa did. And we told mm -hmm. stories. So we're trying to tell a lot of stories. We're trying to do things you know, it's interesting. So we're trying what we've found so far, and this is just week 10 perspective, mm -hmm. celebrating yeah. regular celebrations are hard. Like Easter was hard because yeah. it wasn't what we do. And our family goes really big. My uncle goes huge for it. So that was really hard not to have that. Yeah. We've had three birthdays on our home so far in the quarantine and a fourth, our daughter turns 30 next week and she's here. So yeah, we've got some yeah, interesting so normal celebrations that are hard to do right now. Birthdays have been hard, but so we're trying to find fun and celebration, which is one of our company values, but it's really one of our family values too, in new something new. So like we all dressed up and went to prom hmm, and cool. I, I don't have a senior in high school, but we did it anyway. So yeah, yeah. we dressed up, we played music, we went to prom. Um, we, for May 4th and Star Wars, we had Star Wars food in July, Disney Plus is going to release the original Hamilton with the original cast. So we're going to have an American Revolution party cool. and we're trying to figure out our food and we're going to do a sing-along. Um, next weekend, we are going to do the physics experiment on how to drop an egg off the uh, roof. 
of our house. Nice. So we're just, I'm trying to, and I'm really fortunate because my sister was an elementary school teacher. So she comes up with a lot of the ideas and I get to just, yeah, yeah oh, that's a good idea. We'll do it too. Yeah. I think we'll do um, that. Yeah. yeah. So in I, you know, my, um, they're baking and they're cooking and just a lot of things, the meals that we're having together. Um, we typically don't, we as a family have breakfast together a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, I wake up early. I like to cook. Um, so I, and I have less energy at the end of the day, but usually in the evenings we're at practices and carpools. And so we eat a lot of, you know, whether we pack it or stop at Subway, uh, we eat a lot of things or in and out or some of our favorite places. There you go. That's right. uh, Little plugs, right? Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. I love, I love, I love them. I love local Southern California companies. Absolutely. but so we do a lot of those things. And then the other thing I'm trying to anchor in with my kids is charity. We are very lucky that I have my job yeah. and that teachers didn't have to stop working and that we as a company still can meet the needs is so much more or is luckier than so many other people right now across the state and across the country. Yeah. And so doing things to give back is what I'm trying to focus on. So We've got stacks behind here right now. I've got stacks of different grade books and we go to friends' houses and we just leave things on their doorsteps or we go and donate something through one of our local charities. My favorite new thing to do is like we have to go pick up our kids' stuff at the middle school or I had to go pick up a my kids graduating from fifth grade sign. Um, I stop by seven leaves and we buy, you know, eight drinks because we figure how many people are probably sitting there and we drop mm-hmm. off seven leaves at the same time for all the people that are, you know, meeting all of the parents that are coming through that day. So we're trying to do little business things and there's a lot of budget conversations. This is mm-hmm. a great time to talk about financial literacy and budgeting with kids. And I think I try really hard not to get my kids everything that they want, but give them everything that they need. Sure. But we're busy and that doesn't always happen. I think, yeah, sure. It's fine. Let's do this. But like right now I'm not that kind of busy. It's yeah. a lot there. So there's a, Oh, I wish I had these Pokemon cards. I'm like, well, maybe you should wash my car. Yeah. Yeah. We do. The kids get Pokemon yeah. cards here for the things that they do. Right. You Ooh. earn some money and you buy them. And yeah. so there's, instead of just, Oh yes, that'll keep you busy. Cause you guys won't fight and you all play with each other for Pokey. Like all three of my kids like to play it. Mm-hmm. So, but I thought, you know what, it's a great time to teach like, even budgeting skills. So I'm being very honest with like, Hey guys, this is how much our electricity bill is. Mm -hmm. And aren't we lucky because I moved into this house that has a pool and it already had solar panels on the roof. And so the difference in when I have to heat the pool versus the sun is out and we are so lucky that the pool is 84 degrees. Um, So I'm showing them the differences in the bills so that they can see we're home. This is what we're spending. This is why I want you to turn the lights off. This is why I want you not to take long showers. So there's a lot of just little lessons that showing them real things because in their lives, they're going to have to budget. So, I mean, I don't, I don't give them an allowance because they live in this house and they're supposed to do stuff, but a lot of people do that. And, um, but I do let them do stuff that's above and beyond to earn money. Um, and then I always celebrate a big deal when they do it. Like if they wash my car and they earn money, I will make them their favorite dinner. Nice. I like it. Yeah, Lorianne and I were out on the back patio this morning having a, our, our morning cup of coffee and our morning conversation before I came up for our time together now. And our eight-year-old, almost nine-year-old grandson came out and asked if he could, you know, after school today, rent a movie. And he goes, it's only $3.99. So they're getting more of a feel for what the budget is and what we right. can do and what we will allow. And again, it's, we'll see how you do with school. We'll make sure, you know, is your bed made and are your chores done? Things like that, you know, yep. the normal stuff. 
So you've, you've touched on some things that want to, I want to go back a little bit now. I know you and your sister run the company with mom. I'd love to hear, and I don't, in, in all the conversations you and I have had, I don't know that we've ever really gone back past like college with you earlier. I'd love to hear what you and your sister were like growing up and, you know, being in the, I, I know your story and I'm going to act like I don't because I want to take us from when you're children and how you played together and how you learned and, and when you first saw mom, you know, go off the, the take the leap to start the business and your thoughts, because I know about how old you were at that time. Um, and then just kind of walk us through and I'll ask some questions as we go, but I'd love to hear about your childhood and what you, what were you into and your relationship with you and Kareen and your mom and then just, you know, let's just kind of go, let's just go there for a little while. Okay, I'm totally gonna move myself right now. And go lay on a couch. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, let's do therapy now, yes. right? Yeah. yeah. I'm Dr. Um, Ed. I'm listening. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I was I I had a great childhood. So yeah. Rochelle, Picked so Rochelle's Rochelle is my mom, mm -hmm. um, and she started the business as a hobby um, when she was pregnant with my sister, and I am the younger sister. Right. Um, so she wrote a book while she was pregnant. Um, she had other teacher friends and business folks that just kind of were picking up on different tips and tricks that they wished that they had had in the classroom, and the truth is they tried to publish it. So they sent it to other publishers, many of which are still around, <laughs> um, and I always wish she saved the letters because they all came back and said, no, there is no market for this. Yo, thanks, um, thanks, yeah. Right. So they said, no, I'm sorry. This is not something that we're looking for. So she self-published it. And she, at that time, as a teacher, knew that she went to teacher supply stores. So she drove to what was 60 teacher supply stores that were within two hours of our house. And she started to sell this product. Now, most of the teacher supply stores at that time were run by former teachers. So hmm. she'd go in and she had never taken a business class. She's a Cal State Fullerton grad. She graduated. Right. Her undergrad was in psychology. <laughs> she has her teaching credential and master's from the School of Education. And she, um, so she would ask different questions and they said, well, what's our discount? And remember, she'd never taken a business class. And she'd say, well, why would I give you a discount? Yeah. And because they're teachers, they taught the business side of education to her. And one thing that I can say that's true my whole life, and this was true for my grandpa, this is true for Rochelle, um, is they never stop asking questions and they never stop learning and they don't feel bad about it. And it, there's so much research now that we want our kids to be curious. When they start to be embarrassed about asking questions, their learning and their development slows down. Absolutely. So you want to have lifelong learners. So they're constantly looking at, what types of jobs am I going to do that haven't even been imagined yet? So she always asked lots of questions. So growing up for me, she was a teacher when I was a little girl. So she was a yeah. teacher and she did TCM. She got divorced when I was about five months old okay. and she was doing this business as a side hobby. And then suddenly she needed to make um, about 200 and something more dollars a month in order for us to stay in our house. And that's where the big Italian family also came in. Yeah. So my grandparents, like my grandpa sold some property cause he just done a lot with real estate property and development. He sold some property so that, my mom would say money just would appear in her bank account so that we could stay in our house. So somewhere around the time, I think I was four or five, she quit teaching full time to see if this business could be a business. Yeah. And so growing up, I can tell you that there was a phone in our kitchen that was orange that when it rang, we had to be quiet. My sister and I had to, phone, yeah. Yeah, we had to play the quiet game and, um, 
you might, if you know my sister, you will absolutely know that I always lost the quiet game. Um, but my mom had a little, no gift. Yeah. yeah, my mom had yeah. a little, uh, like surprise, little prizes, like teachers would have yeah. a little prize box that you got to pick something from the prize box if you won the quiet game. And I never, never got it. Um, <laughs> so we grew up knowing that she was doing this business. It was in our garage. Family members were working for free. Um, and it was a neat way to grow up. And I was never allowed to sit and watch TV without doing something. So whether I was stickering something That's or why when we're doing these podcast calls or these, these zoom calls, when you're on, you're always like, I have I to tell be. you're always doing something. You're, you're stitching something, you're writing something, you're yeah. something. I love it. Well, and sometimes I have to, I have to write what people are saying sometimes. If I write it, even if I don't go back and reread it, I, it anchors into yeah. my learning to yeah. hear it and then to write it. Um, and sometimes I could just even be drawing something. And mm -hmm. it will, if I look back at the drawing, it will anchor Trigger back into, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So, but we always had to be doing something. So I can remember when I was old enough to use the stapler, we used to have these puzzles um, that you had to staple the top of it on. And it was a big deal that I was old enough to use the stapler. So who knows how old I was. Um, mm -hmm. But so growing up, we got to always be working. And we also got to travel a lot of places because my mom was fearless. And when I was three and my sister was five, she took us to Asia. So if there was a trip she was going on, she'd brought us a lot of the time and she'd bring my grandma or she'd bring family members to come and watch us. And that continued really my whole childhood. I would miss school to get to go to Australia with her. And I would learn more in that week. Sure. And I would ever learn, at least for what's benefited me now as an adult. So I have always loved cultures and I love people and their differences and their You're an experiential learning. You have to be doing it to really pick up and, on it and learn it. And yeah. see it. And like then that, yeah. you know, fast forward to all the different travel I've gotten to do with TCM, you know, you can understand that there's different levels of poverty. But until, sure. you know, you're in the Philippines and you see a little guy who's the same age as your little guy pick up a donut from the gutter and eat it while cars are zooming by and thinking, how could he be that close to cars and there's not a lot of space? You, there's, a, you, there's a huge learning that happens when you see it. Yeah, and absolutely. I love people and cultures. And it's no surprise, like our employees at TCM are my favorite part of the business. They're the most important part. They're the glue that holds us together as a company. Um, so yeah, so I've always, I've always gravitated towards those things. So I guess growing up too, we also, both of my sister and I had, have done almost every job at TCM. So I have worked in the warehouse, which was my garage at one point. Mm -hmm. um, I've, I roller skated in warehouses if we were moving before they put the racks up. Um, I've worked in customer service. I've worked in marketing. I was fired from the collections <laughs> department after four hours in high school. I made phone calls on why people should pay their bills. They told me why they didn't want to. And I said, okay, you okay. don't have to. Yeah, yeah. So I get it. Yeah. 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 So our CFO absolutely said, get her out of my department. And it's still, like, nice. yeah. the reputation has stuck. They're like, nope, stay away from finance and accounting. And I'm okay with that. That's all yeah, right. Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah, I don't mind. So yeah, so I mean, it was a great place to grow up and learn and listen. I mean, I had amazing people. The president of Time Inc. one time came to our house for dinner. Hmm. Um, so it was just, I, I had a, it was a fun way to grow up and see the world and, you know, get to be in school at the same time 
Rochelle was making products for schools. So it just was, yeah, it was a, it was a fun way to grow up. And she made everything fun. Like yeah. she, made, she made working while watching TV not feel like working. Now you didn't get to go just, okay, I'm through school and now I want to work for, for mom and for the company. I know that it wasn't just, okay, mom, I'm ready. Tell us about the process. I, uh, I, I, we advise our family businesses and many who listen to this podcast and many that I know and talk to, you know, the, the standard procedure advice that we give is have your kids get an education, have them go out and work somewhere else, learn how to get a raise, learn how to manage people, learn how to handle the fact that you're not part of the family business. So you have to learn just like everybody else. And that does a lot of things it, it gives you more credibility when you come into the family business. If you do makes you more qualified for that, which then you gain more respect from those non-family members there. Walk us through a little bit about that process. Mom, I want to work Rochelle. I want to work in the family business. No, take us through that. Okay. To the point um, where you eventually did come into the business. I love the story. Yeah. Well, first there was never any pressure for us to join the business, which I think if that's possible to do for kids growing up, it's nice. Yeah. It's a nice way um, for kids to be able to explore what they like and what their passions are and not feel like they have to be placed. Now, that is not to be confused with if the family business needs help, everybody works and gets together and helps a family business, even if it's not what your passion is. So those are two very separate things. Um, but uh, so we were raised and, you know, do whatever you want to do. And so I can, and I think Rochelle thought she would sell the business. In fact, she almost sold hmm. the business a couple of different times. She almost sold it to Harlequin up in Chicago or up in uh, Toronto that made Harlequin romance novels. Oh, wow. And then she almost sold to Time Inc. right before AOL and Time merged. So it was like days away from closing wow. and then everything froze when AOL purchased them. And she was surprised that she was relieved that it would froze. And we were relieved. We thought, oh, that's good. We really, we like this company. So were you already I, working in the business at that time? No, I okay. was, I was in college. Yeah. So when I, so I, even throughout college, I would look at where TCM got to travel and I would always choose like, hey, I'll go work in mm -hmm. New York um, and go see yeah. some plays and sure, I'll work all day for you. So I always worked at the company at different places and I gravitated mostly towards sales. And I think that's probably because I like people. So I'd work sure. at the different trade shows. Teachers would teach me how to count back change correctly. Or if I made a mistake, they would correct me. So from the time I was little up through college, I would at different times be like, yeah, you're going to New York. That was always popular. You're going to Chicago. Yeah. I'll come. And then I'd try to go other places. Like, can I come to Germany? And she'd say, no, I can't. <laughs> but um, so when I was getting ready to graduate, I had just said in passing, you know, when I come and work at TCM, because our VP at sale of sales used to always say like, oh, Deanne's good at this. This is good. This is good for her. I thought, oh, this will be fun. And she, Rochelle was like, wait, wait, what did you just say? I said, Don't when I went there. Yeah. Yeah. What, when I come and she goes, you're not joining the company. I said, what do you mean? I'm not joining the company. I know the product. I'm good at it. I grew up with it. And she said, you've done nothing and you know nothing. And now I just finished getting my degree at USC and mm -hmm. I had had an internship for the mayor of Los Angeles. I had worked in fundraising for the democratic national convention. When it came to LA, I thought I knew everything. Cause I was 22 and at 22, you know, everything. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I was, First, quite offended and felt a little bit sorry for her that she didn't realize how much I knew. Yeah. Don't you know who I am and what yeah. I bring? Yeah. So I went through on-campus recruiting at USC and actually had gone um, on a, what I thought was a practice interview. I thought I'm going to interview with as many companies as I can to sure. just 
fine tune my interview skills. What we tell so, all our students now, take every interview opportunity. You may yeah. not don't want the job, but you're going to learn on that interview. Yeah. So I went for what I thought was a practice interview with Coca-Cola and mm. absolutely fell in love. And um, they let me stay and finish working in the, with the Democratic National Convention. I got to go to Atlanta and get brainwashed and branded. And I still today <laughs> right. only drink Coca-Cola products. I'm very loyal. Um, so, and I got to go work there in sales and marketing and it was amazing. It was like getting a master's degree in marketing and branding and business relationships. And I just learned so much. And each year I would go to Rochelle and say, look, I came in 120% of goal. Can I come work for you now? And she'd say, no, absolutely not. So I would do it again and I would do it again. And then I went and got a master's in business. Um, I learned all about finance and accounting and spreadsheets. I still don't like them, but I understand them. And I said, can I come and work for you now? And she said, no. no. <laughs> and then I got an opportunity and invited to be a instructor at USC. So I got to actually speak in or teach in the business school. And at that point she goes, okay, now you bring Starting something to, get, to yeah. the table. Yeah. So she took, and she always would do this, but she, she took what my salary had been at Coca-Cola and she matched it. And I got to join the international sales team. I took a territory, which was awesome. my same job that I had at Coca-Cola. She always made us earn something somewhere else before she did it there. So that was if I made 425 babysitting or in college, I gave tours and I made $8 an hour. She yeah. would always match it. So she didn't want us to not get you're doing a similar, you're not matching it for the money. You're matching it for the skill set, Right. And, yeah. and we got to feel like we earned everything that we made. Like nothing Absolutely. was ever given to us. And I highly recommend that as a strategy for family businesses that have people coming in, having somebody feel like, you know what? I really earned this myself. It wasn't yeah. a gift. It wasn't because I was born into this family. It wasn't because, you know, for whatever reason to that confidence is invaluable. My sister did the same thing. My sister taught immediately. She got two master's degrees, one at Columbia's Teachers College, one here in Irvine and her teaching credential. And she taught at the elementary school level immediately. And then she came in and made product, which would be what teachers do sure. when they come into TCM. So she really let us experience different parts of the company, which was invaluable. Yeah. Like I, my knowledge that I have from working at Coca-Cola or working at the Democratic National Convention, well, I worked for the city of LA for the DNC when it came. Um, those are invaluable experiences. Like I learned how to run different events and work long, long hours and see a project from start to finish through or from Coca-Cola. I learned that you had to get your numbers. You had yeah. to create results. You had to go more, you had to keep working so that you could do what was expected of you. And those were things that I think I would have done always, mm -hmm. but I'm not sure because it's still your parents. Your right. parents are the people that like saw you not finish this assignment and not. So I'm not sure if that would have, if well, I would have come straight into And also those that work with your parents in the business have seen, and we have a lot of families and you know who some of them are, and I won't mention them by name here, but they watch the kids who are now running the company when they were in diapers or make stupid 12 year old mistakes or teenager mistakes or college mistakes. And now suddenly they're the CEO of the company and these that, are people who still work there. Yeah, that's our, there's a lot of employees that have known me through my teenage years, through yeah. the good boyfriends and the bad boyfriends and, mm -hmm. you know, the different, so there's a lot of people that have seen me through a lot of different times, which is uh, important for the people, the family members entering yeah. the company to also be respectful of. So there is 
an experience and respect that goes to people who created what it is that we get to lead now that you can't take lightly and you can't. Oh, go ahead. Finish up. No, no, no. That's okay. No, go, go. I was going to say one of my favorite, it's not even really a quote. It's more of a philosophy that I hear in family business. And I share this whenever asked and again, not giving advice, but just something I hear that, that works for me is, we need to spend more time. Don't, don't prepare your business for your kids because that implies that, Hey, this is, this too is yours someday. And a lot of family businesses that I know here in Orange County have made that mistake. And they now look at it and say, that was a mistake to say that, but instead prepare the kids for the business. And they may choose not to go into it and that's fine. But like, to your point, give them the option, you know, this too will be yours someday is probably the worst thing you can say to your kids because then Right away, the entitlement settles in. Right away, those that are not part of the family realize, well, I'm never going to get the corner office because she's coming up, and when she finishes SC, here she comes. Yeah. And so I love that she did a great job of preparing you and Kareen for the company rather than saying, this too will be yours someday. I think that's fantastic. It's really, it's entitlement is something that we focus on as a family quite a bit. Um, yeah, and right. each generation has been better than the last. Like my grandparents grew up through the depression that was harder on my grandma than it was on my grandpa. But what my mom had in her life was so much different than what her parents had. What we had in our lives is so much different mm-hmm. than what um, my, my mom had. So we try to make sure that you don't lose hard work and work ethic yeah. and your own success and celebrating what it is that and your own passions. Because the truth yeah. is, you know, our kids don't have to come into the business. And it's funny because sometimes people will say it to them. They're like, oh, you're going to be running it someday. Mm-hmm. And you're like, they're 11. Don't yeah, say yeah, that exactly. to them. Like yeah. they, they think they're going to be astronauts. Don't, don't take that away. And so, yeah, um, exactly. but I do think there's something to be said about, you know, this, this community that you've created. And I, you know, Ed, I've made some of my not only best business relationships here, I've sure. made some of my best friendships Me with too. other people that are in the center for family business and the people that you've introduced me to. And we, some of us have kids that are the same age. Some people have kids that are older. We can ask questions to some have kids that are younger. And there's a group of us that have all decided that we're sending our kids to intern in each other's businesses, hopefully so that they even can fail and get fired. So let them absolutely learn because to come into like my kids work at TCM already. If there's something that needs to, if we all come in and we're making six packs or we're um, all going to do something this weekend, you know, I bring them in and that's, you know, they get the benefits of me having a job at TCM. So they have to do some work sometimes. Um, And that's just the way it goes. And I pay them in ice cream. Um, But they, uh, but they, uh, so that's, that's important for them to do, but having their own passions and letting them fail, yeah. that's important because that's an important skill. You know, you learn more from your failures and when you get back up, um, I think anyway. Oh, I agree. 100%. And going forward, if everything comes easy to you, you know, you're not going to be prepared as an adult for how to handle a worldwide pandemic. Yeah, comes up a lot. I've, I've shared with, and I won't share the analogy again, but a lot of coaches in sports talk about their favorite day as a coach is the day after the team loses because that's when they can really teach. You know, after yeah. a 10-game winning streak, you know, what can you teach me? So, yeah, there's as, as a dad of adult kids, and now I have seven grandsons, but with adult kids, 
nothing has made my wife and I more proud over the years when we would find out that our kids had gotten together and gone to dinner when they were all living in separate areas of Southern California. And what'd you guys do last night? Oh, the four of us went to such and such for dinner. It's like, first, like, well, why didn't we get invited? But then you go more to the, wow, that's really cool that they love each other and they do that. And so when I see you and and Tam and his family and Sonny and his family and others together, um, I don't necessarily go to the, gee, why wasn't I invited card? I don't feel that way at all. I just feel the sense of pride that, wow, my, my kids, and I hate to call you guys kids because no, we're all here. But I mean, we're, you know, my, my people just love each other. And it just brings me great joy to see that you guys are not only friends and going on cruises together and having meals together and swimming in your backyard together, yeah. but, but that you do genuinely love each other and that you're, I love the whole idea of the, of the internship idea of, you know, person A's kids intern with you and your kids intern with person A. And yeah. I think that's really cool. I had a similar experience in work. I worked for Allergan Pharmaceuticals um, in my first job, actually in college as an internship. And then my first job out of college. And the reason I worked at Allergan is that Smith Klein in Philadelphia owned Allergan and Beckman. My yep. dad was the VP of HR at Beckman and Rick Hillis was the VP of HR at Allergan. I couldn't work for Beckman because my dad was the VP of HR right. and so forth. So we switched over and it turned into a great career for me where I yeah. learned HR and all, so many of the skills I've picked up in my life started in my early 20s working for this large pharmaceutical company. You mentioned a word <clears throat> earlier and I wasn't in my notes, but I jotted it down. I wanted to get back to it when you were talking about Coca-Cola and this isn't a Coca-Cola conversation necessarily. Um, but the word you used was loyalty. Talk to me about loyalty. Talk to me just when you, when I say the word loyalty, what comes up for you? You know, it's, that's an interesting question because that is one of my biggest strengths and biggest weaknesses mm-hmm. as a leader. Um, so we're a big Italian family. Loyalty is yeah. everything. Everything, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And probably in some places it's phenomenal. In some places it's too much. I had to evolve as a business leader and not taking things as personal when people were leaving our company. Like I thought of it as disloyal. But the truth is, it's not disloyal. If I'm really loyal to the development of the people that work for us, that means sometimes they can't continue to grow at our company for whatever reason. You know, maybe there's not a role for them to take right now because the person doing it is doing phenomenal and they get a chance to go to another company and do it. That that was a big learning for me as a leader um, because as a family and then just my own who I am and my own personal values, loyalty felt um, so like, and I'm so entrenched with people at the company that I had to understand that it still was a business. And I actually got a mentor, um, a woman who had been a VP of sales for a pharmaceutical company. And I can remember she was the one that had to be like, you can like your employees, you can love your employees, but they work for you. And they never forget that. So you have to never forget that either so that you know that you're doing what's best for them and that you're serving what is developing for them. And it's not personal. um, And they give you so much of who they are. And that's phenomenal. And I'm really lucky because I do work with amazing, passionate people. Um, but I love that part of it. But I, so loyalty, it's very important in our family. It's very important in my friendships. It's important for me with my kids and their relationships uh, with each other and with their friends and with our family, but um, not to the point of 
being disappointed if somebody gets a phenomenal opportunity. So I've had to grow and evolve and be like, okay, it hmm. doesn't have to, there's, there's absolutely a separation on it. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you for that. Uh, we're at 42 minutes in and I can't believe we're already, we could go another 42 and even just be scratching the surface out of respect for your time and our listeners and so forth. There's a few things that I would like to get to though, before we wrap. Um, and there's probably going to be a part two to this because Deanne, I can just sit and chat with you yeah, just, just I socially, just, you know, we have, we have such a great friendship and I just, I truly admire you and the work that you do. And, and I just, I just love your family. I love, you know, on these zoom calls that we do getting to see your kids in the background. And I, you know, I know your mom and your sister as well. And I've been in your company many times and I have friends yep. that work for you yep. that, that I knew before they went to work for you. Yeah. And, one of uh, them, one of them just changed roles. One of them yeah. went from one role and saw that there was a need someplace else and went someplace else. That's always, that's always good uh, employee strategies when they're like, yep, I'll do something different. Sure. Awesome. I'm going to learn. Yeah. Surround yourself with great people. So you, you've talked about your sister, older sister. You've talked about your mom. You've mentioned a few people. Um, tell me about an early mentor in your life. Um, you and I, we've talked about mentorship before and the fact that we get to mentor people and we're mentored by others. Is there anybody, and again, you can go right back to family. It's, it's, it's you know, I'm going to hit the ball to your side of the table and you can hit it back any way you'd like that you think of when I just talk, if I ask you, who was your early mentor? What did you learn from that person? And um, how do you use those lessons you've learned as you strive to mentor others? Okay. That's a great question. Um, and I've been really fortunate in my outside work experience. Um, I had some phenomenal bosses. I had some terrible ones too. Um, so the person that I probably should, oh, it's hard to, it's hard yeah, to choose. Um, so yeah. Here, yeah. So yeah. So it's really, uh, it's toss up, but there, so there's a woman named Lisa Tomlinson when I worked at USC and she gave me my job in the admission center to be a tour guide of the university. And the first thing that I can tell you about her is she was a great understander of people. So she pulled who are still to this day, some of my very treasured friends from the college and I would have never met him any other way. Like she literally was able to pull personalities to capture the entire university through 15 different college students. And she was the type of person that you worked so hard for, not because you ever worried that you were going to get in trouble, but you worked so hard for because you didn't want to disappoint her. Mm -hmm. And like that was the, that was a, a great learning for me, um, learning from all these different people that were living completely different university lives was so interesting for me to even understand the university better. Mm. Um, and it just was, she had a way that motivated you that was, it was straightforward. She was honest. She was candid. She gave you hard feedback on things you didn't do well too. And she absolutely let you succeed and sometimes still fall. Hmm. And she was there to help you back up, but not do your job for you. And I gained a lot of confidence for different things that I could do well by watching even how she led and what she did. Um, and she's, I just recently have found her on Facebook and still a remarkable woman um, and doing remarkable things, probably leading amazing teams. So um, yeah, so I learned that was, she was one of those bosses that. I want to, I hope people talk about working for me the same way 
And I hope they actually, I take it back. I don't <laughs> care so much about how they, what they say as much as I want people to feel the same way working for me as I felt working for her. And that's really an important leadership um, style. And I, you know, I've have, I have, I have more, there's so many people that I was lucky enough to work with and work for that. I just, um, wanted to so much impress and learn and like capture as much of their essence and information as yeah. I could. Well, and you, uh, as you were talking, I thought, gee, who does that remind me of in my life? And I'm looking at her right now on my screen. One of the things that I admire about you that I admire in people in general is, is very authentic people who will call it like it is. You've got a huge heart. You, you, you've got a soft spot for a lot of things in life. And I'm familiar with some of those. Um, but there've been times in, in, in my work at the center for family business where you haven't agreed with something where you said, Hey, how about this way? And, and your feedback's invaluable to me. And I get that you may have learned some of that from Lisa, some of that from your mom, yep. your sister, and just from your work experiences overall, but that's appreciated. People who will yeah. just say it like it is. It's sometimes feedback's hard to get, but after the fact, we always look back and go, wow, you know, had Deanne not shared that with me, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now. And yeah. look at the impact it's had not only on, on Deanne, but how on so many others. So I want to thank you for taking that lesson anyway and adapting it into your personality because that's benefited me in a lot of ways, which has then benefited a lot of others. Thank you. So I should say thank you to Lisa. Thank you. There Lisa. you go. Pass it along to Lisa. Go back to Facebook <laughs> and tell her, hey, I want to tell you about the ripple effect that you had on uh, what I'm doing now. Um, leadership. Last couple of topics here and then I'll let you go. How do you hope, and I think you just sort of hit on it here as we talked about Lisa and the mentorship that you got from her, but when you're done, when you've retired and you're, you know, off in Greece or Italy or traveling or doing whatever it is that you're going to do, and I get there's a lot of things, what do you hope that your, we'll take the, you know, not that I don't want to talk about your kids, I want to talk about your kids all day, but we've talked about that. What do you hope that your team at, at Teacher Created will say, not, not, and this isn't the, what are they going to say about you at your funeral? It's, that's morbid. I don't want to go there. But what do you hope that people will say about you as a leader, either now or, or at your retirement party? Boy, Deanne really was this type of a leader. What, what are you striving to create in their, you know, what they lock in, kind of to go back to what we talked about earlier? Oh, man, Ed, that's a hard question. I know, question. I know. And, you know, not all my questions are softballs, you know. That's a hard <laughs> question. What do I want? Um, I think I would like to, you know, I guess be respected okay. for, um, you know, when I was a little girl and I used to dislike this, my grandpa would say, it didn't matter if people liked you or disliked you. It mattered that they respected Respect you. you. Yeah. And as a little girl and a teenager, and even in my twenties, I thought that's not true. It yeah. absolutely matters. But the truth is, as I'm getting older, I, I think that is true. And that's where even having some of these hard conversations, um, with employees or if somebody's sitting in the wrong seat and there's something else to do, or even how we've had hard conversations during the pandemic, um, on things that are changing with our company. Um, I want to be respected in the sense and I want to always be straightforward and honest. Uh, yes. It's too hard to try to figure out ways to position conversations and remember how you said something there. So I don't know. I guess respected would be my... I think, I don't know, Ed, I, okay. I try hard. I try hard not to think about well, We're going to have a part two to this down the road. So we'll just save that, that answer for part two. Yeah. Well, I hope, and I hope they say that what we do as a company makes a difference in kids' lives. 
Yeah. You know, I really hope that the product that we give to parents or give to teachers has those topics that click with kids that ignite a passion mm -hmm. for a subject or a topic that they want to dig deeper into. Um, and I want kids to always stay curious as adults to stay curious so that they can think up and dream up the new businesses that none of us have thought about yet. So I hope that the impact we, we as a company are making yeah. is really in the what happens in classrooms and the kids that get exposed to our products. That's really, um, it's important that kids, you know, they start here and that they get to move forward and keep learning um, and be flexible. Like if anything, this pandemic is teaching, yeah. like classrooms can look different. Um, parents are the first teachers of kids and they're the most influential teacher of kids in terms of values. You look at the number of hours kids spend with us versus what they spend with the teacher. We're in charge of their character and we're in charge of how they learn how to handle a crisis just as much as the teachers are. And what I love about the teachers is they're just calmer about it because yeah. there's nothing they haven't seen. Yeah. Like as parents were like, oh, this is the worst thing in the world. Yeah, You're so they're, they're calmer and like, yeah, that's what kids do with that when yeah. they're in second grade, it's fine. This is how we handle it. So I I learn a lot from teacher friends too. So I think it's the impact that we as a company are doing with kids and with teachers and the respect that should be that I love that is there for teachers right now that really always should have been there. Oh, what teachers, teachers are do. underpaid. Yeah, we, we're in a world where we're all teaching our kids and grandkids and there's no sports to watch, which is killing me. Not as bad as I thought it might be. I think I'm recognizing that and I apologize to my athlete and professional athlete friends out there. You're overpaid. And teachers, you're underpaid. Yeah. You know, I mean, teachers, we're realizing now, it's like, wow, we, we get to put our kids on a bus or drop them off at school every day and then live our lives and then they come back and we enjoy the time when they get home from school, obviously. We do. Yeah. yeah. And, this, and all the snarky Nowadays. comments people have made, well, they get summers off. And he thought, well, yeah, I'd like to, I'd like a summer off after yeah. doing homeschool stuff too. Yeah. You're not getting so, a summer off now, right? No. Absolutely. Yeah. When yeah. We're to, you know, all of this. So you have over your shoulder to create a world in which children love to lead or, or love to learn. Yes. One of my favorite phrases and probably one of, probably if not my favorite, one of my most close anyway, favorite slogans of any company I know. How do you do that? I, we're going to go another hour here. I apologize. And we'll, maybe we'll just divide this up into a part two after this interview. I'm so sorry. I talk too much. I know. No, this. no, no, it's no. About it's, myself. It's, this isn't about you talking. It's about you being intriguing and there's so much most people who talk a lot have great things to say. Your present company may be excluded. Uh, you I don't sure. know. Thank you. Tell me, <laughs> tell, me, tell me about that slogan. Tell me, tell me less about where it came from and more what it means to you. Okay. So to create a world in which children loves to, love to learn is our vision at Teacher Creative Materials. And what a vision is supposed to be is a, an idea that's so big that you never get tired of reaching higher, that you never get complacent, that you never get comfortable. And so we can create a phenomenal product, but it's not going to create a world in which every child loves to learn. So that it's almost unattainable, but you can get so close to it with the products that we create drives every single thing that we do. Um, I think teachers can create an atmosphere in their classroom of which children love to learn. Yeah. And that's what we try to do. We try to do in every single thing that we do. We have that vision 
everywhere. We have it in our offices. We have it on our boxes that we're shipping um, because it is something that we relentlessly strive to do so that the quality of what we're putting in front of kids is there. So when you find the science gross passion <laughs> that they love to learn the nonfiction and I kind of cap out around fourth grade nonfiction on how gross something can be, yeah. but like they find something and they want to go deeper and they want to explore it. So our job is to create that passion and that has us working on so many different levels and finding so many interesting and funny things about our world that can make things exciting. And we do a lot of, we do some fiction, but we are a nonfiction company yeah. um, because what's real is fascinating. Absolutely. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I have all these notes and all these things. And I oftentimes I'll go back after you go, wow, I didn't really ask this question, but I got the answer I was looking for. Um, I'm, I'm processing through where I want to go next here. And to kind of to your point, you know, you, a teacher can't walk into a classroom of 30 kids and say, okay, today you're going to be passionate about this because you got the kid who's passionate about science and the kid who's passionate about fiction and then nonfiction and maybe sports and maybe it's, you know, other things. And, and I just respect the, those that teach so much. We have two grandsons who learn very differently. They're, you know, two, eight, two years apart. They're both autistic. So there's learning issues there yeah. as well, but you know, they learn very differently and their passions are, you know, they both love Pokemon cards, but then there's other things that are very intriguing. One wants to be out picking flowers off the plants. The other wants to be, you know, doing math problems or doing things on the computer or yeah. what have you. And so it's very, very unique. Um, uh, not even a question there or even a statement there. It's just more of a Ed thinking out loud for a minute. Sorry, I, I went off on my little tangent. I love it. Yeah, but um, I guess I will ask two questions, okay? Well, one question will be, tell me about a challenge that you've had in your life or your career and how you've gotten through it and what you've learned from it. And I know you're the type of person, Deanne, that sees, you've talked about it from the beginning of this conversation you have gratitude for everything in your life and you've been through stuff just like we all have, sure. but is there a challenge that comes up for you that you think, wow, you know, this was the biggest learning experience for me and maybe walk us through that a little bit. And then I'll ask my final question. Yeah. So I guess, um, I would say challenges happen all the time and that you're, you touch on it. It's interesting. Um, I try not to stay, on the hard stuff too long yeah. um, because, and I also try not to focus on it too much um, outwardly. Like I try not to talk about hard things at work if there are hard things with the family uh, without not being, I'm still honest and straightforward, but everybody has hard things. Yeah. And so like, and I know that everybody handles them very, very differently. So like, I'll give you an example at any given time at TCM, we could have maybe two or three different people that are battling some sort of cancer hmm. and some people battle them very publicly yeah. and we have a great team that rallies behind you and supports you in the company. And some people don't want anybody to know and they process it in a different way. They get a break by coming to the office. Um, so I would say um, for me, the biggest challenge um, was really back in I guess, because um, it crossed both business and personal. So in 2011, I had my daughter. And then at the end of that year, Rochelle, who's my mom, uh, mm. was diagnosed with breast cancer. Yeah. And 
it was an aggressive breast cancer and we as a, like, that's why I, I thought this was funny. This is how I know how we handle stuff. Like I was like, okay, I'm going to start doing research. We're going to get you a second opinion. We're like, yeah, we just, yeah. we, we push forward and we're, you're going to beat this and I have no doubt. And we strive forward, um, which is what we've been doing with this pandemic, which means when everything's back to normal, I'm going to collapse and cry for yeah. a couple of days, but yeah. it's Daniel not breathe, yet. Right? Yeah. yeah, not yet. Yeah. Um, so I would say, so when she was diagnosed with breast cancer, that was hard for us as a family. Um, and it was really hard as a business too. And I can tell you the reason was there was no break. Mm -hmm. And this was an interesting, when my grandparent, when I, we lost my grandpa, which was a huge loss in my life. I was 22. Um, cause he was really just so yeah, instrumental about him a few in times my life. Already, yeah. yeah. So it's so instrumental in my life when we lost him. What I can tell you is I was working at Coca-Cola at the time and I won a sales contest over the same time he had been sick and I couldn't remember any details of the things that led to me winning that contest because there was a break and that I could just go to work and you couldn't think about two things at once. Right. So like I could take a break from the stress of my grandpa declining and I could jump into work, although none of that information stayed in my brain because I was so much there. But, and then vice versa could happen. I could take a break from work and I could focus solely on my grandpa. What was hard when Rochelle was sick is that everybody knows her at work. And mm -hmm. so I would get focused into trying to do something at work. And it was scary for our employees too, because she is our founder and she is our vision and she is our culture and she is our passion. And so, mom, yeah, she, you know, and, so much. and people, yeah. and people were worried on what happens to us as a company and what happens to our job. So I, so it was always hard because there was no break from that, um, that it, cause I would start to focus on something to get things done at work. And then you, I'd suddenly be in the details of her being sick. But it was still, I have to make sure that the people that I'm talking to know that they their jobs still in this circle right here. Yeah, that their jobs are secure. Like, yes, this is hard, but you can absolutely trust that we've got this and yeah. that our leadership team is amazing. And Rochelle has always put stuff in place so that everything still runs no matter what happens. So I would say that was really a hard, oh my gosh, four, six, eight months. Um, and that was hard. So I can tell you my business my own productivity just didn't go forward. <laughs> Nothing drove forward during that time. Everything just maintained. And that's hard for me. I like to push things forward. I like to drive things forward. I like to, you know, like see a goal and keep trying to develop yeah. things. But at that time, it just, um, we maintained, we still grew as a business because we have phenomenal people. Um, but yeah, it was, that was probably my hardest business time because there was no break. There was always a, how's your mom, right? When I was productive someplace and I thought, whoo, this is hard to mm -hmm. always be in it outside and always be in it when you're at work as well. Yeah. And I'm sure those lessons have applied into today, what we're going through with the pandemic now, without a doubt. So it does. the beauty of lessons that we have and the, and the challenges that we have in life is it's not just about that challenge. It's about preparing us for the next challenge. Yeah, and, absolutely. Um, you know, if we don't, uh, Abraham Lincoln said, if we don't learn from our mistakes, then what's the point in making them, right? Yeah, Winston, Chir from the challenges. Winston Churchill said, when you're going through hell, keep going. Yeah, absolutely. That's right. Yeah. Well, th this is this has been fun. I mean, talking with you is always fun. And um, I hope that those that get a chance to watch and listen will, will pick up on the fact of how much I just love and adore you 
and the relationship we have professionally and personally, um, whether I worked where I work now or had my own company or what have you, just the joy that I have of our friendship is, is, is real. And, well, and this, this will continue. So the feeling is mutual. So for anybody that is listening out there, I can tell you if you are in a family business, if you are um, looking for guidance and mentorship and friendship and people, someone who is genuinely interested in you as a business, but you as a person, you know, following this podcast, working with Ed Hart. Um, it's been invaluable for us as a family. When we wow. started coming to the Center for Family Business uh, at Cal State Fullerton and listening to the sessions, we learned that there are some common problems in our families that all of us experience. And understanding it and learning it and having trusted people that you can talk to and then the speakers that you bring in, Ed, that help us get smarter and think about things in a completely different way has been invaluable. And really, even through this pandemic, you're continuing, a lot of people are shutting down or hiding or just getting tired and you are driving and inviting us to come and talk to each other and network with each other and learn from each other. There are businesses that you've worked with that I've met without ever really knowing well that on our calls, I thought, oh, wow, I really, I feel like I have a friendship in somebody that I have only ever seen on video now. And I have people that I can ask questions to. And, you know, they say as leaders, you're the sum of the five people you surround yourself with, which for me means I've got a 13-year-old, I got an 11-year-old, I got a <laughs> nine-year-old. Third grader yeah. you were talking about yeah. earlier, right? Yeah. So, but, but I think the people that are continuing to challenge me and the people that are continuing to lift me up if I'm having a hard day are the people that I've met through at heart, that I've met through you. And that's invaluable. You know, having a business and being a leader means sometimes you make terribly hard choices and having other people that understand that um, in good times and in bad times is really important. So like I said at the very beginning of this, I love people. Mm -hmm. um, I think people are fascinating and wonderful and I wish our news would focus on all the wonderful things that happen, not just all the divisive things of, yeah. that happen because I think more wonderful things are happening. More people are being kind than we're seeing because that's what I'm experiencing and seeing too. Um, but uh, so for anybody that's listening, if you don't know who Ed Hart is, get to know him. We're going to edit all this out. Introduce your business. <laughs> no, absolutely not. You better not no. introduce your, I think you should put it at the very beginning. Oh, there you go. Because we've yeah. talked for so long, but you know, introduce your business to Ed. And I can tell you that you will meet some of the most, not me, but some of the most fascinating yeah. business leaders here in Southern California, but really all over the country. And right now we need each other because we have to pull together and we have to create stronger businesses and we have to create more jobs for people. And that is a responsibility we all must take seriously. Yep. And really with us talking to each other and talking about what's working and not working, we'll make all of our businesses stronger and we'll give a lot of people jobs. How do people reach you? If they want to learn more about teacher created materials or get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do so? So teacher created materials is www. I'm going to say it's super slow. Teacher created with an ED at the end materials.com. Um, you can find me Deanne Mendoza 
on Facebook, on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter, but to be honest with you, I really don't understand it that well. Mm -hmm. The same, the same goes for Instagram. So probably LinkedIn is the best place. Um, love to hear suggestions, ideas. If you know teachers that are doing amazing things, I want to hear about it. I want to know about it. I want to celebrate it. Um, so anything that you guys can pass on, on the amazing things that are happening in classrooms, whether it's during this pandemic or you're listening to it when we're all happily on the other side of it, mm -hmm. I'm still interested in that same celebrating teachers mode. So send that information my way. And I will put that all in our notes when we post this up. I'll put your website and how to contact you. So the final question, podcast name is From the Heart. So Deanne Mendoza, what's in your heart? What's in my heart uh, right now and heavy on my shoulders is um, reaching more kids. And right now, the inequity in what is happening in education is heartbreaking. And I am... Uh, you know, kids having access to digital learning is important. Um, and kids having families that know how to navigate through it. Um, it's always interesting right now, because like I told you, I'm in third grade with my daughter. Mm -hmm. um, as I understand all of these education programs that are coming home, and I understand the platform that they're using, and it's still hard the different passwords and the different programs and every once in a while when for some reason a Zoom call doesn't work on the iPad she's using and it doesn't work on my phone, but it will work on my work computer for her to be able to join her class. And I think, so what happens if you're in that house that doesn't have three different devices that you can try it? Same link, it's the same link. We're in the same house, we're on the same Wi-Fi. And so the inequity that's happening um, in different households and the access to good content um, is heavy on my heart. And getting products, and really the truth is during this pandemic, we've done a lot of our digital products. We've done a lot of our physical products. We've done a lot of these backpacks that if you're watching on YouTube, you can see behind me um, because they're learning tools that are physical, that don't go down if your Wi-Fi goes down or too many people are on your broadband in your neighborhood that I don't quite understand that other people do, or you don't have it, or you're a kid and you're babysitting two little siblings because your parents are working during this pandemic doing really important things that finishing your schoolwork isn't the most crucial thing. Making sure your little sister doesn't get into something that could hurt her is so much more important. So the inequity that's happening in households across the country for kids um, weighs on my heart. And what we can do to provide non-digital solutions and excellent digital solutions that really meets every kid's need is so important. It's so, so important.